0: Hi everyone and welcome once again to the 50 Years Ago in Hockey Podcast, our 125th weekly episode. I'm your host, Rick Cole. Every week, right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, we take a trip down memory lane back 50 years and we bring you all the hockey news from that time period exactly as it happened as it was reported in the words of some of the greatest sports writers of all time in this episode we are in the week of april 3rd to 9th 1972 well if you like what we do here every week on the hockey podcast network and soon back on twitter we hope you can help us out by going to patreon.com slash hockey50years and subscribe to the podcast. Our subscribers get early access to each week's free podcast, but we get lots more as well. Although we've been reticent in putting out our overtime sessions lately, we have a lot of great content coming up, special uh, content for our subscribers. You won't get anywhere else uh, where we dive a little more deeply into the stories that dominated the hockey world back then so patreon.com slash hockey 50 years to subscribe a personal update here Uh, I hate to talk about this again but we like to let you know what's going on we continue to struggle with long COVID Uh, things seem to be a little bit better but the symptoms persist mainly the fatigue and some cognitive impairment and the main main uh result of it all, is that it basically slows down everything we do. It takes us twice as long to to get through things that we usually can do pretty quickly. I was hoping to get the Twitter feed going again this week, uh, but we'll just have to see how the next couple days unfolds with all that. Uh, I was like wanting to uh, cover the playoffs from 1972 on Twitter, but uh, like I said, we'll, we'll just have to see how, how that all unfolds over the next few days. So this week is exciting because the 1972 Stanley Cup playoff tournament began And that's what we're going to mainly concern ourselves with for most of this show. But first, a quick recap of the NHL's final standings and some season-ending notes before the playoff games would get underway on Wednesday of this week. In the National Hockey League's Eastern Division, Boston ran away with it, finishing first, by 10 over the Rangers. The Bruins had a 54-13-11 record, Rangers 48-17-13. One point back of the Rangers, the Montreal Canadiens at 108. And then on the fourth and final playoff spot, the Maple Leafs managed to Hold off the Red Wings by four points. Make Leafs with 80. The Red Wings, 76. And Buffalo won the, uh, the 1970 expansion runoff. Uh, they had 51 points in six. Vancouver 7th at 48, the lowest point total in the entire NHL. In the Western Division, it was Chicago 20 points ahead of Minnesota. Hawks with a 46-17, 15 record, 107 points. The North Stars in second, 37-29-12, 87 points. Then you remember it was that dog dogfight for third fourth and fifth and sixth places and here's how it ended up the blues in third with 67 the penguins squeezed into the final spot on the last day of the season they actually had the same number of uh, points as the Flyers both had 26-38-14 records for 66. But the Penguins won the season series with Philly, and it actually took a goal by Buffalo's Jerry Nian with only four seconds left in the final game on Philly's goalie Doug Favell to sink the Flyers and let the Penguins get into the playoffs. The Seals... Six with 60 points and way back with the Kings with 49. So before we get into the games, we have just a few notes that we're going around the league this week as things usually do in the playoffs, get there, everybody's showing up, especially the teams that aren't playing there in cities that are, and a lot of talking goes on. Well, one of the things folks were talking about this week, and I I kind of mentioned this to myself back Back then, uh, watching it, uh, general managers always claim that trades are made to help both teams. And that's usually the reason, unless uh, you're Punch Imlach and you're just getting rid of players on the 1979 Maple Leafs because you don't like them. Well... Everybody was talking about in February when the Seals and the Bruins made that big trade that sent Carl Vadney and Don O'Donohue to the Bruins for Rick Smith, Reggie Leach, and Bob Stewart. They're saying there's a team a trade that's going to help both teams, especially the way that genius Gary Young is building the Seals. Well, the Bruins went on to finish first in the Eastern Division. Once Vadney got himself into better playing shape, people around the league were pointing to the trade as the thing that made the Bruins. But the Seals, on the other hand, who were well on their way to the playoffs at the time of the deal, well, after they sent Vadney packing, they won only two of their last 18 games. They went 2-12-4, and they slipped right out of the playoff picture. When the Vancouver Canucks downed the Minnesota North Stars in their both their final games of the season, it was by those by the way the score was 4 to 1. It was the first National Hockey League victory for rookie goalie Ed Dick. Ed uh, out of Western Canada had a wonderful junior career and was thought of as the Canucks goalie of the future by general manager uh, Bud Poyle. Those who know him said Poyle, figured that this guy was going to be an NHL All-Star. But later in the week, Poyle kind of showed his true colors when he loudly proclaimed he would trade his first-round draft pick in this year's amateur draft for a proven National Hockey League goalie that is a guy who could play 60 games a season and, of course, win most of, win, win most of them. problem there, of course, is doesn't matter... What goalie you get to play 60 games for you if you don't have a team in front of them better than what the Canucks put out there this year, he ain't going to win most of the games. This was a departure from Poyle's usual uh, stance of I'll never trade a draft pick. But Bud Poyle was feeling pressure from ownership who wanted to see some improvement in the team and that hasn't happened Canucks dead last in the entire NHL this year the New York Rangers had their very first 50 goal scorer in their history this season he is Vic Hadfield the left winger on the gag line gag for goal a game line and he accomplished the feat on the very last day of the schedule the WHA, World Hockey Association, even managed to sneak into the NHL season-ending news. So there was a bunch of things that we'll talk about throughout the show here as they come up. Uh, but there was a strong rumor, not denied by the player, that Wayne Connolly of the Vancouver Canucks, who, by the way, had uh, played for three NHL teams this year as a result of a couple of trades, Wayne was said to have inked a three-year contract with the Minnesota Fighting Saints. The story first reported uh on a St. Paul TV station and a number of other outlets uh, picked it up as well claiming to have it first but it was the St. Paul station that apparently had that story first Connolly was contacted and he played coy but he would not uh discount the story at all. I remember when King Clancy was asked to and agreed to uh, finish the season as the coach of the Maple Leafs thanks to Johnny McClellan's illness and then coached the team in the playoffs which they did make. We were worried about the King. He's 69 years old. I met him my final year in high school at our athletic banquet when Jim Gregory from Dunville, uh, Came and spoke at our banquet. He brought King Clancy along, along with a few other of the lead players. And King was just great. He held court with us after the meal and was just wonderful to everyone. It was really fun to to listen to him talk. But here we are a few years later, and we're worried that at age sixty nine, it, it might be too much for him. Well, King was telling anybody who'd listen this week, he's never felt better in his entire life and for that we were pretty happy. We just hoped that the Bruins weren't going to be too hard on the Leafs and on King. The New York Rangers in anticipation of having some extra bodies around during the playoffs recalled five players from their Omaha farm team in the Central Hockey League. Uh, They're basically on standby duty during the playoffs. The five are goalie Wayne Bell, defenseman, Steve Durbano forwards Tommy Williams, Norman Graton, and left-wing Steve Vickers. Williams and Graton did see some brief service with the Rangers during the season. Going into their first round series with the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Boston Bruins had some health issues to consider. Ken Hodge was said to have sprained the ankle he broke earlier in the season, but the word around the Bruins was that Ken was expected to play against the Leafs when the season started on Wednesday. Derek Sanderson found himself in the hospital on Monday as he fought a bout with colitis, but the word then was he would undergo some testing on Wednesday morning, and if it came back all clear he also would be in the Bruins' first game lineup. A hearing for four members of the St. Louis Blues hockey team arrested on charges resulting from a melee in Philadelphia during a game on January 6th was postponed until April 21st. Judge Joseph. P. McCabe granted a continuance at the request of lawyers for the St. Louis hockey team because the club is involved in the National Hockey League playoffs. Blues coach Al Arbor and three players, John Arbor, Floyd Thompson, and F- Phil Roberto uh, were charged with disorderly conduct and assault and battery on police officers after the fracas during the second period of a game with the Flyers, as we said, on January 6th. Now, they continued it until April 21st. Maybe they know something about how well the Blues are going to do in the playoffs that the rest of us haven't been told yet. Well, here's some welcome good news. George lack. Coach and general manager of the Buffalo Sabres Was back on the job on Monday After spending nearly three months recuperating From what was a pretty serious heart attack Imlach, who is 53 Conceded his future role in the National Hockey League Club uh, Probably is in doubt Asked whether he will continue next season With both coaching and managerial duties Punch said the doctor has said I shouldn't do both, but he didn't say positively a lot of things have yet to be decided. We would be remiss if we didn't give you a little bit of statistical information from the end of the National Hockey League season. The Vezina Trophy, which goes to the team with the lowest goals against per game average, was won by Chicago Blackhawk goalies Gary Smith Tony Esposito and Jerry Desjardins, they compiled a team average of 2.12 goals per game. As far as the scoring race, the winner there was Phil Esposito of the Bruins, 66 goals, 67 assists, 133 points, and that was 16 ahead of his teammate Bobby Orr, who had 37 goals, 80 assists, for 117. John Mattel of the Rangers, despite playing only 63 of the 76-game schedule, or 78-game schedule, had 46 goals, 63 assists, for 109 points, and get this, he had just 4 Minutes and penalties. Vic Hadfield of the Rangers came fourth 50 56 106, and Rod Gilbert of the Rangers finished fifth with 43 goals, 54 assists for 97 points. Quite a season for the Rangers' goal a game line. Sportsman Nick Meletti of Cleveland said this week that he will file a formal application for a National Hockey League franchise by the end of... Of this week. The application will include a $25,000 deposit on an anticipated $6 million entry fee. That's according to Maletti. Deadline for filing an application is next Monday, and League President Clarence Campbell and the NHL Board of Governors will award two more franchises. At least two more, from what we're told, for the seventy-four, seventy-five season by May twenty-fifth. Maletti said that he expects the NHL will be inundated by franchise requests. Interest really high sky around North America, and there's a lot of areas that are still untapped. We have a bit of Junior A news out of Ontario, and none of this is good stuff. Dave Hutchison, a defenseman with the London Knights, has been charged with assault causing bodily harm as a result of a fight during a hockey game last Friday in Ottawa, in which an Ottawa 67s player was sent to the hospital. Hutchison is charged with assaulting Raymond Antilla, an 18-year-old native of Richmond Hill, Ontario, who was admitted to hospital with a broken nose, a broken cheekbone, and a concussion along with a deep gash that required 14 stitches to close the fight which included most players from both teams along with several hundred spectators 20 city policemen was sparked by a cross-checking incident seconds after the final buzzer ended the game there was reports in the Ottawa papers that Hutchison kicked Antilla in the face while he was down but I wasn't able to find anything that was Definitive uh, Saying that that's exactly What he did and out of St. Catharines charges against Dennis Vervigart and Jay Babcock of the London Knights of the OHA Major Junior A and spectators Peter Vervigart with whom I played a few games and Terry St. Amon a local stock car driver of some repute they were remanded to June 9th in Provincial Court in St. Catharines all four were charged with causing a disturbance by fighting during an OHA game in St. Catharines January 23rd now Babcock is a player but he did not play during that game because he was out with an injury but he was apparently well enough to take part in a brawl on the eve of the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs beginning the World Hockey Association of course they had to go and try and upstage the NHL with a few announcements of their own a 10-minute sudden-death overtime for all tie games, an annual all-star game, and a change in the no-fighting rule were announced for the World Hockey Association by its Playing Activities Committee, chaired by Wild Bill Hunter of Edmonton. The Hunter said that the overtime rule would increase fan interest and reduce the number of tie games, and we all know what a horrible thing those tie games are aren't they? Now the uh, overtime session will last 10 minutes. And if at the end of 10 minutes, the game is still tied, then each team gets a point. If one team scores, it is sudden victory. The game is over and the losing team doesn't get the point. And why would anybody think that a team that loses after regulation time deserves a point? Oh, wait a minute. They do do that 50 years later, don't they? WHA referee-in-chief Vern Buffy told a news conference in Edmonton that the third player to enter a fight will get a 10-minute misconduct penalty and a $100 fine for a first offense. He would get an automatic game misconduct if he repeated the offense in the same game, but there would be no additional fine now that's a departure from the NHL rule where the third player in a fight is automatically banished for the rest of the game but the WHA knows that the type of fans they want to attract love that fighting and if you kick the fighters out who's going to fight the rest of the game when the fighters leave they figured the fans might leave as well so here are the way the playoffs are lined up to begin Wednesday evening of this week in series a it was the Toronto Maple Leafs visiting the Boston Bruins for the first two games and by the way these games at least at the start are all being played all for a series on the same night altogether. so on Wednesday night you have Toronto at Boston for the first game of series a uh, series B has Montreal playing the Rangers at New York. Series C, the Penguins visit the Blackhawks in what should be a quick four games. Series D is definitely the, uh, a very even set. The St. Louis Blues versus the Minnesota North Stars. All the games are going to be mostly on the same days, except when they'll make some, uh, adjustments later on around games, uh, five six and seven if necessary basically for American Network TV so the scores from the first night's games New York kind of uh, upset Montreal three to two although really it wasn't that big of an upset the Rangers did finish one point ahead of Canadians but the Rangers were missing Jean Rattel who would not play in this series and Vic Hadfield had a very sore thumb although he was still able to shoot the puck very well. But the Rangers won that first game 3-2. The Bruins whipped the Leafs 5-0. The Blackhawks had their hands full with the Penguins, but still came out on top 3-1. And the North Stars uh, blanked the Blues 3-0. A little bit about each game. Well... King Clancy teed off on Boston's normally docile Johnny Busick after the Leafs lost 5 nothing in Boston. Clancy said, I thought the Bruins played a whale of a game, especially Phil Esposito. He's the guy who beat us esposito ended 37 minutes and 24 seconds of scoreless hockey and added another just two over two minutes later to put the bruins into a two-nothing lead which they would never relinquish clancy said of the leafs we didn't go after them, but i can't say the same for boston especially that busick clancy specifically mentioned two instances in the game where the Boston veteran, last year's Lady Bing Trophy winner, is the NHL's most gentlemanly player, launched himself at Toronto defenseman Bobby Bond. The first time behind the Leaf goal, Busick escaped referee John Ashley's eye, but later, near the Toronto blue line, he took a minor penalty, and he only had two during the entire regular season, after he cross-checked the Leaf defenseman right across the nose they've got such a good hockey club Clancy said they don't need to do all that running around that Busick was doing I don't know why they've been taking a run at Bond the King said but I'll tell you one thing if they're going to run at Bobby Bond they're playing with fire as we mentioned Vic Hadfield has a sore thumb but his second goal of the game was seven minutes left Broke a two-all tie, and the Rangers defeated Canadians three to two. Bill Fairbairn got the other goal for the Rangers, with Claude Larose and Frank Mahovlich finding the range for Montreal. Hadfield, who became the sixth player in NHL history to score. 50 goals during the regular season connected with the winner into the right corner of the net past Habs goalie Ken Dryden. It was almost identical to his first goal of the game which came with just 20, 28 seconds left in the opening period. Fairburn got the Rangers on the scoreboard first, with uh, three and a half minutes left in the in the initial frame, when he wrapped a rebound past Dryden after the Montreal goalie had made a sensational pad save on Brad Park's slap shot. Hadfield also assisted on that goal. Montreal, the defending Cup champions, tied the score with just 65 seconds left in the period when La Rosa's shot glanced off defenseman Park stick past a surprise Ranger goalie, Eddie Jackman but Hadfield restored the Rangers lead at 1932 when he climaxed a perfect passing play from line mates Roger Bear and Bobby Russo the second period was goalless with the Rangers dominating play they actually outshot the Canadians in the second period 15 to 2. Pitt, Martin, and Jim Pappen combined for three goals to give the Chicago Blackhawks a 3-1 victory over the Pittsburgh Penguins in the first game of their best of seven final. It was... The sixth sixth win for the Blackhawks, champions of the Western Division over Pittsburgh this year with the two teams playing to a tie in the other game they played. The game was a rough one all the way and referee Bill Friday called 17 penalties, seven of them in the first period. Among them were three majors and three 10-minute misconducts. Pittsburgh actually got out in front in this game when Bobby Leader took a pass from Eddie Shack at the Chicago Goalmouth and beat Hawks goalie Tony Esposito as easily as Shack fainted him out of position before making the pass. Each team was a man short at the time. But Martin and Pappen tied the game before the first period ended as Pitt won a face-off at center ice, passed the puck to Pappen, and then got a return pass. He moved into the clear and he beat goalie Jimmy Rutherford with a 35-footer. The two collaborated on the second Chicago goal. That was in the third period when Martin took a pass from defenseman Bill White at center, skated into the clear, and passed to Pappen across the rink for him to net a 15-footer, and Rutherford had been pulled completely out of position. Martin then got the third Chicago goal also in the final period when Pappen behind the net passed out in front of the cage to give Martin an almost clear shot at the net. The Hawks Keith Magnuson needed eight stitches on his forehead to close a cut, suffered when Eddie Shack drew a major for high-sticking. Other majors went to the Penguins' Brian Watson and the Hawks' Eric Nestorinko for a third-period fight that was pretty entertaining. Watson, Doug Jarrett, and Magnussen drew the misconducts. Veteran Dean Prentice scored two goals for the Minnesota North Stars, while 42-year-old goalie Gump Worsley shut out the St. Louis Blues in the first game of their best of 7 quarterfinal series. Prentice scored in the first and third periods for the Stars, the first time just outside the goal crease, and the second time on a shot from about 40 feet. Worsley stopped 27 St. Louis shots for the fifth playoff shutout of his very, very Hall of Fame Worthy career. Bob Nevin scored midway in the final period to clinch the game for the North Stars. He fired a quick shot from about 35 feet out. Prentice, waiting outside the crease in the first period, picked up a rebound of a shot by Murray Oliver and shot up past St. Louis goalie Jacques Caron in the first period. That put the Stars ahead 1-0. Oliver took a pass from Charlie Burns, who was behind the net, shot from the left side, Prentice put the puck in from the opposite side. Worsley made a good stop on a shot by Barkley Plager early in the first period, and then another on Bark just a few minutes later. Uh, these plays precipitated fights between Barry Gibbs and Gary Younger, Tom Reed, and Phil Roberto, and in all, 58 minutes and penalties were called during the first period alone, but it was Worsley's goaltending that set the tone the rest of the way you know there were a lot of things I liked about 1972 uh, in the NHL anyway one they didn't try and drag things out back-to-back games to start all the series after the Wednesday night contest the very next night right back at it and so here are the scores for the Thursday night games each team having played the night before. Toronto in what was the biggest upset so far edged the Bruins 4-3 in overtime. New York took a 2-0 lead in their series handling the Montreal Canadiens, handling I should say, the Montreal Canadiens quite easily 5-2. Chicago once again had their hands full with Pittsburgh, but they got by the Penguins, 3-2, to while the North Stars took a 2 nothing lead over the Blues with a 6-5 overtime win. Billy Fairbairn, Walt Kachuk, and Ted Irvin scored third-period goals, and that gave the Rangers... Their five two win over the Canadians. Fairburns goal on a soft backhander that hit the left post and bounced in came after only twenty seconds of the final period, and that snapped a two-two deadlock. Then with Montreal pressing for the tie, Fairburn led Kachuk for the clincher with only four twenty-six left to play. The Canadians removed goalie Ken Dryden with a buck thirty-five to go but Irvin got New York's fifth goal into the unguarded cage. Claude LaRose had tied the game for Montreal by batting a loose puck into an empty net in the opening minutes of the second period and the Canadiens dominated play through the rest of the period but they could not beat the brick wall known as Eddie Jockerman. Rookie Guy Lafleur scored his first playoff goal at 6.05 of the opening frame, converting a pass from Big Frank Mahovlich. Defenseman Dale Rolfe and utility forward Ron Stewart put the Rangers ahead 2-1 by scoring goals within a span of 2.41 later in that opening period. It was Dale Rolfe's first career playoff goal in 36 career games while the win over Montreal was extremely good news for the Rangers they got some news that wasn't so good if they are to actually beat the Canadians in the first round of the playoffs they're going to have to do it without Jean Rattel Any chance that the 46 goal shooter might get back for a possible seventh game in the series vanished when the doctors, the Rangers doctor set back Rattel's return to at least an extra three days to make sure that his leg bone mends properly. Well, reputations really don't hold much water with the Toronto Maple Leafs, especially the reputation the Boston Bruins had of being just about unbeatable on home ice. The Leafs were simply their old, irreverent selves... Thursday night when they beat the Bruins 4-3 to in overtime to even the best-of-seven Stanley Cup quarterfinal at a game apiece. The win was Toronto's 11th in 16 overtime sessions against Boston since the two teams uh, have begun play in the National Hockey League. It ended a 17-game Toronto losing streak on Boston ice. King Clancy, the Leafs' interim coach, said everybody said we're going to get laced, that we're going to get beaten four straight, four games to none, but I guess we showed them tonight. Now they're going to have to feel the pressure going back to Toronto. Clancy, of course, elated with the win and talk and his usual mile-a-minute pace, said his team earned the victory, which came when Jimmy Harrison scored on a slap shot at 238 of the first overtime. Harrison's goal came on a 30-foot drive after he took a drop pass from Pierre Jerry on a two-on-one break. Harrison said, I just slapped it. It went high and it went in and this is what we wanted to win one game on Boston ice now if we can win 3 at home it's a different ball game we realize we haven't got the hockey players they have we just got to work harder we're confident now we were down two nothing and we came back and i think it's going to be a pretty tough Series. Boston coach Tom Johnson, whose team lost only four games on home ice during the regular season, said the Bruins got careless after they took the two zip lead johnson said i can't account for it it was just a general lapse he was also upset with the loss of winger ken hodge who was given a game misconduct in the first period because he was a third man into what was basically a minor skirmish Well, two titles are up for grabs on the stacked UFC 273 fight card. So join the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. New customers... Can bet $5 on any fighter and get $100 in free bets. Win or lose, guaranteed. Now, if Sportsbook is not available in your state yet, you can still get in on the excitement. Everybody can play for a share of millions of dollars in prizes with DraftKings Daily fantasy MMA contest. Draft your lineup of fighters while staying under a salary cap and then rack up points for strikes, takedowns, and much more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code TH. PN throw down $5 on UFC 273 and you get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. You must be 21 or over. Some restrictions do apply and the show notes have all the details. Bill Goldsworthy flipped in a rebound at 136 of sudden death overtime as the Minnesota North Stars, surviving Frank St. Marseille's three goals, turned back the St. Louis Blues 6-5 in Minneapolis-St. Paul to give the North Stars a 2-0 lead in the quarterfinal series with the Blues. Goldsworthy was camped at the corner of the St. Louis goal when Jude Druin cracked the shot off goalie Ernie Wakeley's chest. The first one, the first shot, that is, of the 20-minute sudden death overtime. Dean Prentice, who fired in two goals in the opener Wednesday night, blasted in a shot for the score that sent the game into overtime. Prentice pulled the trigger while flying across the blue line at 11.32 of the third period St. Louis getting three goals from Saint Marseille in the first two periods tied the game at 4-4 at 8:05 of that final period on Gary Unger's goal and then grabbed the lead at 10:59 on Phil Roberto's tally after Unger had won a faceoff Jude Druin led the Minnesota attack as he had three assists and also scored a goal that came at 1.45 of the third period from a scramble in front of the St. Louis net Danny Grant and J.P. Perise, both in the second period and Doug Moans in the first also managed to beat Blues goalie Ernie Wakeley St. Marseille a 31 year old right winger with 16 career playoff goals ended more than 72 minutes without a score in this series for the Blues with a marker at 12:14 of the opening period he picked up his second goal at 2 minutes the second period and completed the hat trick against North Stars goalie Cesar Maniego three and one-half minutes later. Pitt Martin, Chris Bordelow, and Chico Mackey scored single goals to give the Blackhawks a narrow 3-2 win over the Penguins and a 2-0 lead in their series. The series continues in Pittsburgh Saturday and Sunday. Last year the Hawks uh, had a pretty easy time eliminating Philadelphia in four straight, and it looks like they could have the same opening round success this year. Martin, scoring his third goal of the two playoff games, and Bordelow, with his first ever playoff goal, put the Blackhawks in front in the opening six minutes of the game, and... Chicago never looked back. Mackey's goal came with less than nine minutes remaining in the game when he tipped in a shot by Keith Magnuson after Bortolo took the puck away from Penguins defenseman Dwayne Rupp near the Pittsburgh Blue Line. Jean Pronovo scored Pittsburgh's first goal midway through the second period when the Penguins were shorthanded and killing a penalty. Bobby Leader got their second score on a power play and also an unassisted goal with less than eight minutes remaining in the game. But the Hawks held on to win this one, 3-2. So after a day off on Friday, simply so the teams could travel to the other cities to continue their series, the NHL was right back at it on Saturday night. And the scores were pretty interesting. The Canadians got back in their series against the Rangers, edging the New Yorkers' 2-1 2-1 to one at the Forum. The uh, Maple Leafs and the Bruins went back to Toronto, and it was a really good, close game, but the Bruins came out on top, 2 nothing. They just got too much for the Leafs. And in uh, Pittsburgh, the Blackhawks did the same thing to the Penguins, blanking Pittsburgh 2-0, and at St. Louis... It was the Blues getting back in their series, edging the North Star's 2-1. 2-1. to one. Mike Walton and Bobby Orr each scored a power play goal to combine with the goaltending of Ed Johnston as the Bruins won their 2-0 game in Toronto. The game opened with both teams playing rigid defense, but the cautious duel ended at 1830 of the second period, just five seconds after the Leafs Daryl Sittler was penalized for holding Bobby Orr. Phil Esposito gained the draw deep in the Leafs' end and relayed a pass to the point where Orr passed to Walton and the ex leaf whistled a waist-high shot behind Bernie Perrant who was in the Leafs goal. Orr who was particularly brilliant defensively blocking five dead-on shots in the first two periods then notched his first playoff goal of this year at 124 of the third period with the Leafs' Guy Traje off at the time. Or took Wayne Cashman's pass at the point and slapped it into the lower corner, Perron had very little chance on the play. The Bruins' power play, which registered 74 goals during the regular season, was particularly ineffective except on these two occasions. Well, in Montreal, it suddenly looked like the Canadiens' game had come all the way back for them. The quick uh, thrust, the pinpoint puck control in front of the net, the wide open skating. And so Montreal came back into contention in their first round Stanley Cup series by edging the Rangers 2-1 to one at the Montreal Forum. The New Yorkers captured the first two games played in New York. But they haven't beaten the Frenchmen in Montreal Cup play since 1956. Tonight, the Canadians showed why. The 18,552 fans at the Forum gave their heroes a tangible lift as they've been doing over countless National Hockey League seasons. J.C. Tremblay, a GOAT in New York, suddenly found himself again. The inimitable defenseman who uses his stick like a magic wand would taunt the New Yorkers with precious little passes between their legs, often run out the clock on penalties by doing solo uh, with the disc, and after the defeat, the Rangers announced that the fifth game of the series would be played Tuesday night at 8.05 in Madison Square, canceling that eve- evening's circus performance. They waited till now because they really thought after the first two games of New York they could take the Habs out in four straight. It was obvious from the opening minutes that Canadians were bent on physically mauling the New Yorkers rather than skating them into submission. The ta- that task tactic, of course, is pretty risky. A penalty, a Ranger goal, and the Canadians would have been down and possibly on their way out, yielding a third straight Ranger victory. But despite spending nine of the first 16 minutes of the game shorthanded with boarding and charging penalties, the Canadians managed to hold up, and slowly, the crowds roaring, reached a crescendo with each successful penalty killed. No one scored in the opening period as Ken Dryden and Eddie Jackman ranged out of their nets to halt opposing forays. The Canadians entered the second session with a dismal record 11 power play chances in this series with no goals. During the regular season, they had connected for 70 goals with a man advantage, 72 to be exact, hitting on about 25% of their Finally, Frank Mahavlich stationed in front, got to the disc before Giacomo did, and lifted it past him. Rather than leaping for joy, Mahavlich simply skated off as if to say... Well, it's about time. Little Henri Richard spearheaded the Canadians attack as the lightning-quick game moved along. Not only was he dashing up the ice starting plays, but he also was used as a checker against a stronger, bigger, younger, and better-looking Walt Kachuk. Late in the second period, Mark Tardiff took a hard shot that Rod's ceiling fell on. The disc bounded in front where Tardif again snared it and sailed a backhander for a 2-0 Canadiens lead. The Canadiens didn't go into a defensive shell though in that final period rather than nurse their lead, which really isn't their style anyway. They continued pressing. The off-balance Rangers couldn't answer until Glenn Sather and Ron Stewart took the ice, Sather fought off Tardiff and Réjean Houle for the puck. Uh, he circled and laid a 30-foot pass on Stewart's stick and Stewart hit the puck past Dryden. Soon the New Yorkers had 3-on-1 breakaway, but only JC Tremblay, known as JC Superstar in Montreal, he was back Billy Fairbairn attempted to pass up the middle. Tremblay fell on the puck, knocking it out of danger in the final minute. Jackman left the ice for the extra skater, but the Rangers could not beat Ken Dryden. Habs hang on for the win. Goals by Chris Bortolo and Stan Makita gave Chicago Blackhawks a 2-0 victory over the Penguins in Pittsburgh, increasing the Hawks' lead in the Stanley Cup quarterfinal series to three games to none. The Blackhawks can complete the sweep on Sunday night. Gary Smith was in goal for the Hawks in this game, and he got the shutout, and he played very well. Jim Rutherford, the Pittsburgh goalie, kept their team in the game by making 38 saves, and the Blackhawks raved at how well young Rutherford played for the Penguins in a losing cause. And Phil Roberto scored two goals to give the Blues a 2-1 victory over the Minnesota North Stars at the arena in St. Louis. The Blues winning their first game of the series... Uh, Trail now two games to one. For the first time in 10 games, the Blues managed to beat Gump Worsley in the Minnesota net. Roberto, acquired by the Blues in a mid-season trade with Montreal, tallied the winning goal on a St. Louis power play at 10.07 of the second period. Worsley crouched to see the puck, but he was screened from the play Barkley Plager, fed Roberto with a sharp pass, and Mike Murphy was also credited with an assist On that winning goal. So that took us to Sunday, and on that evening, all the games were close, but patterns began to emerge. Things seemed to get pretty clear ken hodge wasn't selected as one of the game stars in toronto but the tall rugged and articulate boston bruin winger summed up the feelings of both dressing rooms after the bruins 5-4 win breaks that's what we had going for us said hodge that's what gave us the win Two breaks, Hodge said, accounted for both of his goals in the raggedly played game that ventured far from what the 16,485 fans expected to see in postseason playoffs. Yes, this game was not a classic. Hodge said that one goal went in off his knee and the other went in off his skate. The first uh, goal followed a brilliant save, by Leaf goalie Bernie Perrant off a howitzer from Bobby Orr. It came right off Bernie's pads, right onto my knee, and then it went right into the net, said Hodge. The second, like I said, went off my skate. Actually, it was supposed to be a pass to to Cashy, that's Wayne Cashman, who was all alone and in the clear behind me. But Hodge, who grew up in the Toronto area, agreed with several of his teammates that the Bruins, who could wrap up the series in the fifth game at home... um, on uh, Tuesday night haven't yet reached their playoff potential against Toronto and if they do the Leafs playoff season is going to be short. In Montreal after losing Walt Kachuk, who's been the best performer in the playoffs and yielding the momentum to Canadians the remarkable New York Rangers continued to break with tradition by scoring a 6-4 victory and taking a commanding 3-1 lead in the Stanley Cup first round series against Canadians. The decisive goal was scored with five minutes and five seconds remaining in the regulation time and it was put in by Pete Stemkowski, the burly New York center who stole the puck from the usually adroit J.C. Trombley. All the ingredients were there for another Montreal comeback. The Frenchman, the National Hockey League's most successful team in its 55-year history, had pulled their way back to a 4-4 tie after having trailed by scores of 2-0 3-1 and and 4-2. Only 51 seconds had elapsed in the final session when Kachuk was ejected automatically as the third man in in a one-sided brawl in which his teammate Billy Fairbairn was being pummeled by the Habs' Mark Tardif. The Rangers had been playing the Canadians without the services of Jean Rattel, the Rangers' finest performer, who had sat on the sidelines from the opening game now. They had to play the remainder of this contest without the resourceful Kachuk, the club's second best all-round performer and the premier penalty killer. In addition to Fairburn, he was lost for seven minutes as a result of the fight. And he's also an expert checker and a penalty killer. So the Canadians tied the score on Terry Harper's long drive that deflected in off an unnamed ranger in front of the net. The dramatics weren't seen in New York after the first period. The telecast was suddenly terminated because of a technician strike that is part of a nationwide union dispute against the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. Although the CBC wasn't televising the game, other technicians simply pulled the plug in sympathy, and fans in New York were not happy. Pitt Martin scored in record time shortly after the start of a sudden-death overtime period to give the Chicago Blackhawks a 6-5 victory over the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Hawks thus completed a four-game sweep of their Stanley Cup quarterfinal best-of-seven series. Goals by Chris Bortle and Stan Makita had given Chicago the win on Saturday night. Bobby Hull's three goals helped the Hawks overcome a 4-2 Pittsburgh league to go in front. Pittsburgh, which squeezed into the playoffs in the final four seconds of the season, forced the game into overtime when Bobby Leader scored a goal and he's been having a good playoff. Pappen scored the first goal for Chicago, Ken Schinkel scored twice, and Sillaps and Ron Schock once each for Pittsburgh. The Penguins were denied a goal at the end of the second period when goalie Jerry Desjardins bobbled a 40-foot shot by Sillaps, then watched it trickle into the goal a moment after the buzzer sounded, signifying the end of the period. Red Kelly, Pittsburgh coach, jumped over the boards, ran across the ice to protest to referee Bruce Hood and the goal judge uh, that the score should have been allowed. But they ruled the puck went in too late; it didn't count, and that was that. Penguins were out, thanks to a goal 12 seconds into overtime, which was at this point, I believe, the quickest overtime goal ever scored in NHL history in 1972. And in the final game of the weekend, the St. Louis Blues overcame a 2-0 Minnesota lead to beat the North Stars 3-2, tying their best-of-seven series at two games apiece. The Blues had won the third game Saturday night 2-1. The Blues surrendered goals to North Stars Jude Druin and Danny Grant before rallying in front of an arena crowd of 17,000 576 and thousands more at home on TV. Barkley Plager scored the winner for the Blues after goals by Phil Roberto and Kevin O'Shea. The series now goes back to Minnesota for the fifth game and uh, the Blues win assured at least one more game in St. Louis on Thursday night. Minnesota coach Jackie Gordon shoveled his lines almost like he drew them out of a hat and this was a maneuver designed to confuse the St. Louis defense. Well the North Stars moved ahead at 10.56 of the opening period on Druin's third goal of the series a shot from close in beating goalie Jacques Caron. Only 31 seconds had elapsed in the second period when Grant skated into the St. Louis zone with the Frenchman Andre DuPont hanging on him and he beat Caron uh, despite uh, DuPont's interference. Minnesota then appeared to have scored a goal which would have put the North Stars ahead 3-0, but neither of referee John Ashley nor the goal judge would uphold an appeal of a J.P. Parise shot that Caron carried into the net after stopping it. Roberto revived the Blues by skating through the Minnesota defense for a goal at 12:12 of the middle period, and O'Shea tied it at uh, 2-2 with a deflected shot at 13:45. The veteran Plager, one of the five Blues with the team since the beginning of 1967 season, scored the winner at 11:50 of the final frame on a soft shot that deflected off a Minnesota defenseman and skipped off Stars goalie Caesar Maniego series all tied 2-2 and now they move back to Minneapolis a few more notes as the weekend came to the came to an end with hockey people all over these arenas lots of stories going out the first one that was most prominent Harry Sinden was busy again denying rumors that he's going to be returning to the National Hockey League as a coach this time, Sinden had to deny that he was about to take over the Toronto Maple Leafs coaching post. Sinden said, I haven't talked to Mr. Ballard about anything. I heard about this rumor from my sister, and that's really about the size of it. If I had anything going on with Toronto, you know me, I'd have just given you the old no comment. Things are looking pretty dire for the World Hockey Association, Calgary franchise. Three major participants in Calgary's entry in the new WHA announced that they are resigning from the fledgling organization leaving the future of the team entirely in doubt. Scotty Monroe, the major backer of the Calgary Bronx, said he had decided to devote his time to junior hockey. Monroe said that I feel junior hockey is my life. He also didn't say that... He likes his money better in his pocket than in somebody else's. One of the other two uh, owners, Bill Boswell and Orris Hershik, Hershik said the Bronx were underfinanced from the beginning and that they would never get off the ground. So that is this week's show, everybody. And what did we learn from this week's uh, presentation? Well, we learned it despite all the heart displayed by the Toronto Maple Leafs and magnificent goalkeeping by Bernie Perrant. The Boston Bruins are just a better team than Toronto, and that series is not going to last much longer. Even more lopsided, we learned, would be the Chicago-Pittsburgh series over in Forest Strait, thanks to a record-setting overtime goal by Pitt Martin in Game 4. And we learned that the Canadians may have met their match in their first round opponent, the New York Rangers, who finished the week leading that series three games to one. So be sure to tune in next week as we continue our coverage of the 1972 Stanley Cup playoffs. I think we'll get through round one and we'll know how the semifinal series are going to shape up. It's going to be a very interesting next few weeks in the Stanley Cup playoffs the 50 years ago in hockey podcast is produced by Andy Cole can't thank him enough for all his hard work Andy produces podcasts professionally if you want to start one up get a hold of me I'll hook you up with Andy he's one of the best in the business a true media professional the very popular Juno nominated Toronto indie rock group the rural Alberta advantage provides our intro and exit music You ever get a chance to see him perform live? They put on a great high energy show and in May they're going on tour throughout the United States, both, both coasts, East and West and in the Midwest as well. And, uh, they are just uh, really make like, sort of on the comeback trail, I guess you could say. They're, they're really sounding good. They have a new EP out, and uh, like I say, they put on a great show. Other musical pieces and sound effects are created by Andy Cole in the podcast as well. Our research comes from another one of our sponsors, newspapers.com, and all the fine publications found there, as well as the Toronto Star, the Toronto Globe and Mail, don't forget our other sponsor, the Breakwall Brewing Company, beautiful downtown Port Coburn. If you ever get to the Niagara region, you must look me up and we must go for a beer and a burger at the Breakwall. You can find us this- on Facebook under the 50 Years Ago and Hockey banner. We have a WordPress site, Hockey50YearsAgo.com. And of course, to your favorite podcast app and right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. And on that note, we will cover more Stanley Cup playoffs next week. When the ice breaks.